calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. We could really talk about like this all, but I know we'll move on, but I'm like, let's talk about the M dash. Right. Uh, the topic is actually grammar today. We're going to be talking about punctuation. Most popular podcast ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think if we did something on like punctuation or grammar that would reel in all the, the librarian lesbians, as I like Listen, to call them. I mean. Or the, the, the English teacher lesbian. That's a type. I mean. It, oh, it's, it's, it's hot in here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ducking out, you're ducking out. Let's duck out together. See what it's all about. Ducking out, ducking out, ducking out, ducking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that has big Joe March energy. I'm Carolyn Bergier. And I'm Mindy Raff. You might remember me from that episode about pansexuality and a little polyamory. Yeah, a lot of polyamory. It was basically a polyamory episode. But somebody already <laughs> took that topic <laughs> and didn't really run with it. So we're glad you covered it. And today we are diking out with author Cody Keplinger about Dungeons and Dragons. Cody is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of young adult and middle grade fiction. Her most well-known book is The Duff, which was adapted into a film back in 2015. And her most recent book is That's Not What Happened, which was released in the summer of 2018. Cody, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. A couple of quick announcements. Our next show at Stonewall is Monday, January 27th, and we've got a great lineup with comedians like Kate Sisk, Gara Lanning, Julia Shiplett, and Sam Jay, who is a writer for SNL and too busy to be on the podcast, but always willing to drop in and do a set at Diking Out at Stonewall because Monday's night is a... The only night that you can get those people. <laughs> yeah. Your Stonewall crowds are the best crowds ever. Thank like, you. If people are listening who go to that show who are local, best show ever. Like You did I, such a fun show. Was it was that typical? I've seen it before. It's, it's always typical. a good crowd. It's always, yeah. It's always a good crowd. We had at the last one, which was in November, um, since December, we had the Joe's Pub show. Um, oh, right. The yeah. Dyke the Halls. Dyke the Halls. Amazing. And we had like a 
I guess it was a dad and a daughter, but they looked like they could have been a couple. I don't know. I mean, that's very lesbian. Yeah. And the guy (laughs) (laughs) and the guy was like and the the woman, they were kind of heckling in that they were just like relating really hard or like commenting on everything being said, you know, but not realizing that they're heckling. Uh-huh. Like a good natured, like an ignorant heckle, I call an that. An ignorant heckle. And then also a very hearty laugh. Oh. Like so much so that somebody came up to me afterwards and was like, I think that person has been here before and it's a real problem. The laugh is too much. <laughs> oh no. From the guy. It was like this booming laughter. And was it only not on the punchlines? Because some people laugh like before the punchline and it, it's a problem. Like they're yeah. pre-laughing. Yeah. And then you can't get the setup out. A little comedy shop talk. But if yeah. someone laughs at the wrong time, right? it really messes up. I mean, yeah. you have to just go. I did a show once. It was all college kids. And college kids don't laugh, I feel like, um, grow, adults. Yeah. They laugh <laughs> at inappropriate times. Sure. They'll just start a premise and they're like, ah, ah, and I'm like, wait, oh. And then I was like, you have to just flow with it. Yeah. Get a loud, loud laugher who does it like at inappropriate times. Yeah. It can really mess with the flow. You know, I was <laughs> just watching Alana Glazer's special on Amazon uh, that just came out, The World is Burning. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. And somebody yells out during her premise and just yells, oh my God, like they are anticipating the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, nothing will throw you off. And then somebody just, yeah. yeah. It's weird. It's It's very, it's like, on, online, people like always fix your punchlines like afterwards. Right. I mean, I say that with air quotes. <laughs> yeah. But you post anything. I don't know. For a writer, I don't know if you like, if people are like commenting on posts you make, but they're trying to like be nice, but also make it funnier or better. But when oh. someone's doing that when you're live on stage, it's not really helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, I also want to make one more announcement and give a quick non-update update about the podcast, uh, because at the end of last year, I was really, really busy in Swamp putting on our Dyke the Hall show and took a two-week break and uh, finally getting back into the the swing of things. And, uh, you know, Mindy is here today filling in as guest co-host. Ta-da. And some of you uh, have really voice that you enjoy the, the guest co-hosts, that it's been fun to hear different people on the podcast uh, each week. And then some of you have said it's confusing and it feels like two guests. And, mm. you know, it's kind of like I went through a breakup and now I'm like figuring out what to do and and dating. And I like being like a, like, re- a rebound host. Yeah. Yeah. You're my <laughs> rebound, Mindy. <laughs> One of many. Yeah. Um, I accept that role. I'm being being real slutty right now, let me tell you. It's just important we talked about it first, Carolyn. Yes, communication. Um, And I I do want to make a decision on a co-host because I know that, you know, when you do a podcast with somebody regularly, you build a rapport, you build a banter and and all of that. So while I'm actually having a lot of fun right now, uh, you know, just exploring and, and being out there. Uh, I'm hoping by February that that we'll have someone in place. And it, it's tough because it's a matter of finding out who's the right balance in terms of personality and perspective. And then also somebody who has the time 
to do this because it's a weekly podcast and that's not a small ask to get somebody, you know, once you, once you start diking out, you can't, you can't stop. You just, yeah. Yeah. It just takes over your life. It's one thing to like dike out, snuggle and brunch. It's another to weekly continue to dike out, snuggle and brunch and show up emotionally, physically. And all the things. I get it. And if and, I don't and, get the rose, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then your name is really tied to the word uh, dyke. You just start showing up in Google searches under the word dyke for, I mean, for the rest that of your the goal, life. Though? That's the goal for me. I want to be the picture on Wikipedia. <laughs> I want the Wikipedia um, dyke entry to just be my picture. I think that's possible. I don't know yeah. how Wikipedia works, like the minutiae of Wikipedia. I but I think you can change things yourself. Well, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I thought that, not that, that's that not allowed. This. Yeah. I thought that's like the one thing you can't do is change things like in your favor. Yeah. You can't. About you. Well, so like, I can make one of you the uh, yeah, picture for I do Dyke. know this. I, can, <laughs> I, mean, I can't I'll edit take my it. Own. <laughs> I can't add up my own Wikipedia page, right. apparently, but I can tell someone else to do it for me. Yes. Um, I've been asked done. to do that for people before. Really? I haven't done it yeah. I know lazy. nothing about, I don't even think I have one. Is that like terrible? No. So somebody do has to create it for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even know if I have one. I know one of my books has one and it just says, was made into a movie, I think. Yeah. But I, like, I don't have a Wikipedia either. So hint, hint, wow. listeners. Twenty twenty goals. Somebody make a Wikipedia. You can also those wiki way. dikes out there. Yes, wiki dikes. Yeah, oh wiki dikes is the dream website. Um, <laughs> no, I, I actually, you can tell though when you go on to like an author or a comedian or anybody's uh, Wikipedia page, you can kind of tell when they wrote it themselves and just like had someone else put it up there, which I find hilarious. Oh. Yeah. Like you get all this like in twenty fourteen she did X Y Z, and I'm like. You would have to do a deep Google dive, and I don't mm-hmm. know if your fans are big enough to have done that deep Google dive. You put this in yourself because you want people to know. Look at yeah. you, Wikipedia therapist. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know, I know exactly what you're talking about because there was somebody's Wikipedia. I wish I could remember who, but it was written in the most like, you know, a lot of people might think this about this person, but really the the facts are <laughs> yes. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh man, this person yes. definitely like wrote this up, emailed it to whoever they're seeing mm-hmm. and then had them rewrite. It was way too much information <laughs> for how big this person, like you can tell when someone's commenting anonymously, but it's them like that yeah, kind of thing. Cause it's not a super famous person mm-hmm. and their Wikipedia page was so long and I'm like, there's you no way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I now want to write like an obnoxious ego filled like Mindy Raff, like just like random, like my favorite food when I was eight <laughs> and just give it to someone to post it. Like what the, listen. Yeah. It's going to be like every name of every cat I ever had in college. We're just going to write each other's. We, we have three people. We the triangle. Name, yeah, yep. the triangle. Just go around, look to your right, and that's who that's who you have to write a Wikipedia page for. And you can Google image search me, Mindy Raff, R-A-F, and then put me next to a picture of Dyke. And <laughs> yeah. I want to make that happen for me, then make it happen for you. Some other things that are going on. There was a, some drama involving a famed celesbian yesterday, also involving a past guest of the podcast. What? Yeah. I have not heard this. Uh, past guest drama. Sorry. Minnie, don't worry. Lizzo was not on the podcast. You didn't miss I out on an interview. I thought we <laughs> were like, talking oh, about this. And I was like, 
And so was your other co-host. I'm out. I'm out. I can't compete with that. Right. No. So um, Jillian Michaels, who mm. was known for being um, one of the coaches, I guess, on The Biggest Loser, one of the mm. trainers, trainers, sadists, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I didn't. I'm sorry. I hate that show, but I yeah. want to put good energy into the world. But continue. Yes. I, I'm, I'm on the same page. Thank yeah. You. Okay. I hate that show. Yeah. I don't think it's aged well on <laughs> the show. Uh, it, did, it wasn't aged well. It wasn't aged was at there. the time. It yeah. was accepted better, but it never, yeah. No. Yeah, at the time people thought it was inspiring and then realized that it's was Problem. actually a horrible, problematic Toxic. show. Yeah. So yes. BuzzFeed has a online show called AM to DM and Alex Berg, who's on the podcast um, about a year ago, is the the co-host of the show. So she was interviewing Jillian Michaels and Jillian Michaels, of course, like her whole career is on shaming fat people Mm -hmm. and telling you that your body isn't right and that you should feel bad about your body if it doesn't look like her body Mm -hmm. uh, or similar. And uh, I didn't watch the entire thing. I just saw the, the clip that went viral and Alex... I feel I feel for her because the backlash <laughs> has been really bad. And I know sometimes when you're interviewing people and in the moment when they say something and you, you have like very little time and sometimes you, you freeze. And she was trying to set it up to be like, Positive. well, what about people like, like Lizzo? And I love how they love their bodies and like, let's celebrate them. Her setup was super yeah. positive. It was super positive. And then Jillian Michaels, it, it almost sounded like when Republicans try making points about things, they're like, why are we even talking about race? Why are we even talking about sexuality? Mm, we yeah. should, as like if, someone like, who's flooded by the topic. Like, yeah. it's, it seemed like Jillian Michaels was like threatened. I don't yeah. know. I feel like Jillian Michaels' whole career would be threatened by something that's body positive or body indifferent. Oh, of course. Yes. Which makes sense to me, but it was almost like, abundance like give me a break here the, the scarcity quote, energy of the of her response was just yeah um, the quote she said why are we celebrating her body in regards to Lizzo why does it matter why aren't we celebrating her music because it's um because it isn't gonna be awesome if she gets diabetes ooh. and you know I just want to <laughs> say you know it's, what's not awesome? Hating yourself, uh, hating the way you are, having lo- like, do you want people who aren't an I- ideal weight, whatever that is in, in her mind or, or whatever body type, um, to just feel bad also, and like not be happy with themselves yes, and not love is, themselves? That's not exactly factual about diabetes it either. Not. That's like, not. A, it's fat shaming or body shaming in general, but like yeah. the myth or like that crap, like tastic, like idea that only people who are of a certain body type get diabetes, diabetes. is mm-hmm. just not true and perpetuates like terrible yeah. ideas, especially teenagers who have diabetes and don't want to take insulin because they, it's like ridiculous, yes. like the body shaming with diabetes. And, and especially when you're talking about um, someone who's black too, like that's a whole other layer uh-huh. of issues when you bring up diabetes. Yeah. I, you asked if she wants people to feel bad about themselves and yes, that is exactly what she wants because she clearly comes from the mindset that shame works and yeah. it doesn't. Scientifically, yeah. we know it doesn't. And diets don't work. And no. there, there's so much research uh, around this mm-hmm. now that has 
dispelled like so many lies and Jillian Michaels just wants you to spend, you know, your, your money, uh, on things that aren't going to do anything for you ultimately, except make you feel like you're failing and, and make you feel like there's something wrong with the way you are. And that, that sucks. And even, I mean, you know, I think Jillian Michaels is a, an unhappy person. Her backstory is that she used to be, uh, I guess, fat. Or I, I mean, I don't even know. Yeah, like, I don't like, even like know she, much about her backstory. She got, she got rid of like all pictures of her from oh, the that's past. Sad. Yeah, oh. that, and that kind of thing you know, always bums me out hard. Because like, look, I, I've I, my weight has changed over time. I have uh, a couple years ago. I was at my heaviest. I lost a lot of weight. I've come back up a little bit, but like. That was always me. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, like, do I, like, I, I have been striving to, like, enforce this idea that there is body positivity. Even if you decide you want to lose weight, that's fine. Yeah. It's long as you're not doing it because you hate yourself. Like, yeah. then that, there's a deeper issue happening. There or you can acknowledge their self-hate. And yeah. you yes. know you have to, like, yeah. and manage I, it and be kind. I yeah. lived with two, um two actresses several years ago, two method actresses when I was like 20. <laughs> that was a time. Um, and I heard so much hatred of their bodies and they were so much smaller than me. And that fucked with me hard. Yeah. Cause I'm like, you guys are hating on your body so much and you are at least 50 or 60 pounds smaller than I am. Like you're so much smaller than me. And so it was like, am I, should I be sitting here hating on my body? It yeah. really messed with my eating. Like I got really, really unhealthy I didn't get skinny. I got unhealthy because all that led to was I would be, I would tell myself uh, I should eat less. I should exercise more and eat less. But doing that just ends up leading to binging. And mm-hmm. it just, it was, it was a nightmare. And I remember one of them, that was my first exposure to Jillian Michaels because one of them had one of her exercise tapes. And I remember oh, I yeah. was not following oh. it with her, but she was doing it. I just remember saying to her, like saying to my roommate, I'm like, I don't respond well to people yelling at me. And it feels like she's yelling at me. Yeah. Like that is that it's never vibed with me. I understand it works for some people. Clearly, she's yeah. rich off of it. But like, I mean that that was her role on The Biggest Loser was being like bad cop and listen, and just being like really. There's nothing wrong with liking bad people. cop energy or being like this works for me. But that I feel like is more of sure like a, a kink no. thing. No, I'm like, <laughs> talk to me louder, Carolyn. No, but it's like a kink thing, like fine or an agreement. Like right. I'm agreeing yes. that I want this consensually, sure, and because it's going to help me. But the general core of the energy is loving and positive. But I'm yes. using this as but a I, tool. I yes. don't want someone educating me on how to lose weight and be healthier who who has tried to erase their own history. Yeah. And like, who, to me, who that's seems to have sad. a lot of self-hatred. I mean, I know that she's been called out for comments in the past before. Like once she said um, she would, she doesn't want to get pregnant because she couldn't um, imagine doing that to her body. And then yeah. she tried to like walk back on it. And, um, but, but like, that's how like her own fear of, yeah. like she doesn't even want to be big from being pregnant. And that that's yeah. how and it's, like it's, it's very dark. The yeah. whole thing. It's sad. It's not like we're like hating on someone yeah. like like you're such a like terrible person, but like we all listen, it's never okay or acceptable to say something like this. But yeah. we all have like, you know, these terrible inner childs or these demons or these traumas or all these dysmorphic things or whatever is going on that makes us like put up these defense things. Exactly. Yeah. And Everybody we're blind to them. But it's 
it's such a problem when you don't deal with your shit. And yeah. when you're projecting it onto other people the are just gonna like wipe their shit off your shit off of them all the time. But if you're a media person and you are in the public, LGBT especially, yeah, it mm-hmm. is your damn excuse my language responsibility to deal with your shit. And if yes. you can't, to shut up. Yeah. Because you are affecting too many people and it really pisses yes. me off. I, Preach. Yes. That's so good. much. Oh yeah. my God. That's that's great. Uh Agree 100%. I also didn't actually know she was a lesbian. Well, she's reluctantly a lesbian. I, I, don't I actually yeah. didn't know either. <laughs> I, don't, I no. never thought about her sexuality, actually. It was only once she, it was only once she got married and um, she came out. But I don't, I don't think, I don't know if she used the word lesbian. It was just like, she seemed very reluctant about, she's not about straight. the whole thing. She's yeah. not straight. We don't know what word she used. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, she's still like in the queer I, I community. I think the reason I didn't know is because I assume that when I like someone, clearly they're queer. And I've never and liked don't her, like her very much. I know. So I was just like, eh. You know what? There's so many queer people. We can't like them all. We just yeah. can't. Yeah. But I want to. <laughs> there's so many. There's so many to like. But yes, I hear you. Uh, speaking of ones that that are complicated, uh, Ellen DeGeneres, who, you know, I I know we've talked about her a lot on the podcast, and she has said some uh, problematic things, but I I still do enjoy Ellen DeGeneres, and I still uh, am a, a fan of her comedy and what she does. And she was at the Golden Globes and was given the. Mm-hmm. Um, Carol Burnett Award and Kate McKinnon presented it to her and it was like very beautiful and emotional and they were both wearing like sparkly well-tailored suits which I loved that's my kink and <laughs> say no more yes um and she gave a you sparkly know tailored suits is your kink <laughs> that's, like, that's kind of like amazing you're not asking much of people really like you don't not. have to tie me up you don't have to do anything just wear no. a sparkly tailored suit yeah that's it. That's amazing. That's all I need. Wow. Watch my wife is going to listen and come home with a big shopping bag. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because I'm the one who has the sparkly tailored suits in the relationship, though. My yes. kink is myself. Be your own kink. Yes. Be your own kink. 2020, be your own kink. Yeah. That's our slogan. BYOK. We found it. <laughs> yes. Great. Hashtag BYOK all year long. Um, I got to lift some weights then. <laughs> I'll say no more. Yeah. I do like not having a lot of freedom. Yes. Yeah. Consensually though. And I, <laughs> I try to do it with every, other people, but I just am not strong. Yeah. You can use tools, but anyway, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> wow. but, I, but it's when you're not strong physically, it's very hard to be like, I want to hold you down and be like, my partner's like, yeah, okay, good luck. And I'm like, no. I can't, but no. Anyway. Mindy, we're talking about Dungeons later. Come on. I mean, <laughs> I don't know a lot about Dungeons and Dragons, but I have Isn't a, that part of it? <laughs> that's what two queers who've never played would think. Right, right. <laughs> I know. This is going to be interesting once we get into it. Oh, but, I'm excited. Um, but but I did bring up the, the Ellen thing because Kate McKinnon was oh, talking yeah. about how she didn't see herself um, and would have never thought that she could have been on TV without seeing Ellen first. And that's why I hashtag representation matters Mm -hmm. and it was just like a nice sentiment that you know hopefully a lot of people um who aren't queer are maybe finally understanding why why it's important to tell queer stories and Mm -hmm. have representation Mm -hmm. even like out anything that's just like not cis straight white people males yeah 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 yep so oh speaking of kate mckinnon i saw bombshell 
Oh, I haven't seen. How was it? Yeah. You know, I liked it, but it is, it's very triggering, obviously, for sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Um, Super creepy as John Lithgow is Roger Ailes. And it's just gross watching just like such a despicable human. He does those characters so well. I haven't seen Bombshell, but... He's so, he's very like, he, but he's so good at like yeah. being creepy. Yeah. He yeah. really is. And uh, Kate McKinnon though, she's in the movie and actually plays a lesbian who works at Fox. So, you know, I in Ghostbusters, it's kind of like alluded to mm-hmm. that her character is a lesbian, but never do they let her be an actual, say like I'm a lesbian on screen until this movie, which is interesting. So she has a, uh, like a, lesbian scene with Margot Robbie like a little bit of a of a thing there so it, it's just like nice that they let Kate McKinnon be gay and sexual for once yeah I think I've only seen one mm. movie where she was like explicitly a lesbian in the movie um what what was that it was Life Partners several years ago it was an indie movie oh okay um yeah where she was kind of a a, a girl I think I think it was Leighton Meester's character was the lesbian of the two friends. And it was like a girl Leighton Meester's character went on a date with who is ridiculous because Kate McKinnon went all out. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the only one. That said, I one reason I did not go and see um, the spot, the movie that she was in with Mila Kunis. Yes. I yeah. wanted to see it really bad. But then I was like, I'm not going to go see it because in my head – they end up together and this is a lesbian movie, but I know that's not what's really going to happen. So I'm going to preserve in my head what I think the movie is about and make right. that canon. Good me. boundaries. Yes. Great boundaries. Mm-hmm. I, you know, same reason I, uh, I always see it as an option on the airplane. I'm like, this seems like it'd be a great airplane <laughs> movie, but also I feel like I'm just going to feel either queer baited or frustrated by watching this. So yeah. like don't get me wrong. Best friend stories are super important. I talk about this a lot. They are. Our friendship stories are Not really important. Not all girls have to yes. make out. But also, I've been waiting for Mila Kunis to play a lesbian in a movie since I was 13. <laughs> yeah. And she's finally in a movie with Kate McKinnon and it doesn't go there, so I'm going to pretend it does. I mean, we have Black Swan. But that's, that's not. True. I mean, but it's that, a that's, dream. That's yeah. I never I was saw crushed. Black Swan. <laughs> oh my god. Black Swan I for never that scene it. is I saw it in theater. It's worth it, really? Because the rest of it is not my bag, I don't think. Oh, the rest of it was super my bag, but I'm sure by looking at me, that's not shocking. (laughs) It is a hard movie to watch, I will say. It is. Yeah, I've avoided it for many years. Yeah. I Uh, saw it in theaters because. Me too. I, but I didn't know there was going to be a lesbian scene. And oh, I, remember, I did. That's why I saw it in theaters. Oh, I didn't. And also, I that was back when I still thought I was straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but I remember telling someone, um, they were like, oh, yeah, that movie is a lesbian scene. And I was talking to someone else about like about it. And I was like, yeah, but like it's me, it's, it's Mila Kunis. We'd all sleep with Mila Kunis, right? <laughs> and you walked out queer. You walked out <laughs> and out. I queer woman. There's there's so many things about young Cody that I just want to be like, honey, you're gay. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun to look back and be like, oh, that thing, that thing, that thing, that thing. Yeah. But every I single mean, movie. I had a, I've had a crush on Eliza Dushku since Buffy when I was when I saw, saw Buffy for the first time when I was eleven. I, I feel thought, like no, that's... she's just really cool. Yeah. I, I want to be like her. No. <laughs> no. I feel like every queer woman had a crush on Eliza Dushku when the they watch Buffy. I, and yeah. bring it on. Yeah. And oh, Bring It On. Because, yeah. oh my God. I didn't watch Bring It On. She's so hot in Bring It On. I've never seen all of Bring It On. I've seen parts of it 
in theater. In her it's intro. a lot of cheerleading. There's yeah. a lot of cheerleading. But also in her intro, she comes in and one of the like mean cheerleaders is like, Missy looks like an Uber dyke. And I'm like, oh, we all wish. <laughs> 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 the movie does not end in gayness, which is very upsetting. But Not a lot, yeah. do Not a yeah. lot. Of, especially rom com types. They don't. I yeah. always want the friends. I always wanted the friends to get together, and I wasn't even out. But I remember being like, whenever there was like, yeah, it's like a thing. I just rewatched Miss Congeniality on the plane, which has a lot of problems, but also it's Miss Congeniality. Yeah, Sandra yeah. Bullock. But I could not remember until I watched it again how much I wanted Sandra Bullock to get together with, with the- Miss Iowa. Yeah, <laughs> they had such chemistry. Yes. Yes. And uh, why was Benjamin Bratt even there? He's also right. beautiful too, but no, I was going but for he's Miss such Iowa. A, he's such a small role in it anyway. He's like barely there and then they end up together and I'm like, yeah. come on. Well, it was like, what year did that come out? Like, I don't know. Oh, a long time ago. I was a kid. I yeah. loved that movie when I was a kid. Um, an- Another movie that should have ended up queer but didn't was (laughs) Little Women which I also saw. Did you see the new one? I saw the new one and this is what's crazy I read Little Woman as a kid multiple times Mm -hmm. Um, I was in the play Little Woman in high school like I've seen the movie the one with Winona Ryder Mm -hmm. uh, as Joe March and I was excited for, for this one only I guess it's been a while since I've revisited Little Women. Only now was I watching this version being like, Joe March is clearly a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Clearly a lesbian. Like sh- the speech that she gives to Lori about why she can't be with him. It It's like every feeling that every queer person has ever had before they knew the words to like associate like oh this is why I feel this way Mm -hmm. it's like I wish I could love you I want to love you I just don't (laughs) and it's oh yeah yeah yeah. I haven't seen the new one but I haven't seen it since the Winona Ryder version so okay you can actually if you would like hold on to your canon about her being gay because in the book she ends up married to like some random dude yes and readers were like why is she marrying this guy and the actual reason was oh yes that the author didn't want her to marry anyone anybody because louisa may alcott also gonna say it lesbian probably another historically erased lesbian Mm -hmm. that was just called a spinster just like emily dickinson Mm -hmm. but she didn't want joe to end up with anyone but her publisher pushed back and was like you she should end up with somebody but she was very set on her not ending up with Lori. So she's like, fine, I'm just going to insert this guy that makes absolutely no sense. This random guy, and it's... Oh, and they, yeah, the random professor. Yes. Yeah. So they have that in the the new movie where Joe is going back and forth with the, the publisher for this book, Little Women, and he says, but she doesn't end up married. She has to, and it was like part of the negotiating, oh. and she was like, oh, fine, because... You know, the the character is like, no, she never gets married. She doesn't want to get married. She's not interested in that. And then he was like, just have her get married to someone. And then it's like, okay, fine. I guess this guy. And explains that that's why it was written in. Mm -hmm. So then you're like, oh, my gosh, even more clearly. 100%. Yeah. Yep. So um, my my next door neighbor actually is a very talented uh, actor and performer, uh, Pearl Rain, and was also our pianist at the... Um, at Joe's Pub oh, wow. at the show and she's queer and she's going to be playing Joe March 
in a production out in LA. I think at the end, it'll be in LA and San Diego um, at the end of March and beginning of April. So I was like, please give us the queer Joe March. Yeah. We've always wanted and the one we deserve. Uh, so yeah, I hope she brings some some queer energy to that role. I'm sure she can't take too many liberties because... Yeah, well, who knows what, you know, depending on the director, what they're yeah. doing with it. Well, I, I looked at the casting that she posted for it and it's a very racially diverse cast. So I feel Good. like they are... Not being limited by this must look like what 1800s Connecticut families were, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I need yeah. to see the new movie. I. It was great. Yeah. People were like, I cried throughout the whole thing. And yes. I'm like, who dies? Like, don't tell me. I don't remember any. No, I do know. It's really sad. Yeah. But I'm excited to see it again, but I was wondering how queer it was or if it was queer or like yeah. what. Yeah. It's not, it's not outwardly queer, but this, I would say. It's the most queer felt, version. It felt the most queer. Like I was the whole time I, my head was exploding like, ah, Joe March is so gay. Why, why do they <laughs> like, uh, and then also Timothy Chalamet, he's just so beautiful to look oh. at. And as the the one part, like I have talked about before, I don't like to let myself cry in movies. I like really theater? fight it. Yeah. I fight it at the theater. I hold it back. I don't mm. like to get stuffy. That's why. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't want to have to like blow my nose. And totally. Yeah. It's a physical like, you know, thing. The one scene of all the sad scenes and all the times during the movie that I had to like keep myself from crying was the scene when she... When he actually like confesses his feelings and is like, why aren't, why aren't we together? And I was so surprised that that was why I cried because never, I'd be like, uh, because you're a loser and like, she doesn't owe you anything. <laughs> Lori slash Teddy. And were you like feeling for Lori? I, he's just such a good actor. I was feeling for him. I was feeling, and then I'm also like, I'm like, this is even more tragic because you think that she's rejecting you because she doesn't like because of you but yeah. it's because she's gay but we've also it's been we've all been that person who's yeah. like i don't understand how i could feel this way and like yeah. i feel like my body's turning inside out and i've yeah. written a million poems and i baked you gluten-free cupcakes and yes. you <laughs> just don't feel that like how is that possible right. i right. think we've all been on that end so yeah <sighs> man are you a public movie crier so here's my thing. I am not opposed to crying in a movie at all. Sometimes I wish I could because sometimes I feel really guilty when I don't. Yeah. But I I used to cry way less than I do now. I cry more now. As I've gotten older, I've gotten, I don't know, more in touch with my emotions or something. Mm-hmm. But I almost never cry in movies. Like ever. Um, I, I cry again more now, but I don't I, I don't remember crying in a movie theater ever. Yeah. Did I'm you cry either. watching the duff? No. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, but Carolyn, what's the dub? <laughs> hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so I, I actually, let before we get, we really need to get to the topic, but... <laughs> But before we get to to that, um, I want to talk just like a little bit about like your writing and and sure. who you are just to set it up. I actually, um, I'm not a big reader and uh, had hadn't <laughs> read your books, but I did watch The Duff today, <laughs> and, which gives you absolutely no insight into my writing because the movie's nothing like the book. <laughs> that's that's what <laughs> I want to know. ask you. Yeah, nope, nothing yeah. like the book at all. The Duff was your first book yes, right I wrote it when I was 17 well now I really want to read the book <laughs> I'm it not gonna be on... that person but you should always read the book you should, I know I it know is, it's fine there's there's we're so not book shaming you to be clear I like the movie a lot actually yeah. um but I always have to tell people like you have to treat it and the book as completely separate entities yeah. yeah because they are they they have the same character names same title literally nothing else in common that's it that's the that's it period. really yes Wow. Yeah, it's the title and the character names, and that's that's all. So you weren't involved in the writing of the screenplay then? Oh, absolutely not. Most okay. authors aren't. We Most of us do not get that option. Got it. Okay. Wow, yeah. So so you just, like, sold the rights to... Yep, they, okay. bought, they, uh, they bought the option, and like I said, unless you're really, really pushed to keep those rights and are, like, super famous and can right, right, or have right. a screenwriting background, yeah. you don't get the choice sure. in that regard. Sure. Um, so, no. And I... Like I said, to be clear, I actually really like the movie. I thought yeah. it turned out really funny and really cute, um, but it's nothing like the book. But to, to be fair, I, it's the book is also something I wrote when I was seventeen. Um, yes. So it's okay. How do I put this? I am not ashamed to have written it. I know a lot of people still read it and still really appreciate it. I've gotten many wonderful, sweet emails from readers who like tell me that the themes in the book really impacted them or were really important to them. And I'm so glad for that, but I can't reread the book. Sure. Cause when I go back and read it, I see the work of a 17 year old who thought she was straight and read a lot of fan fiction <laughs> <laughs> and was like, this is what it would be like to date a boy. Yes. Correct. Yes. I yeah. Think. Um, yeah, I get. That's, I can see that. You get it, but resonated with so many people. So yeah. clearly, there's many other like yeah. young people who like, regardless of what they're on the sexuality spectrum, they are also like resonating with Relating your idea it, yeah. of dating. And, and I am so glad for that. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's one of those things where it's it's a little weird too because it's my by far my most well known book. It's my biggest bestseller because of the movie, largely. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so interesting because I my writing has changed. So much since then. That's so crazy at 17, though, to have. Yeah. I mean, have you, like, had you written books before that, that like, hadn't been published? Or? I mean, yes and no. Yeah. What, I say, what I mean by that is I wrote a t- – I started writing 
I've been writing since I can remember. Like, yeah. When I was little, I would sit at my mom's like typewriter in her office at work and like just click buttons and tell her what story I thought I was writing. Like that was. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I got older, I'd draw pictures and I would make up like soap opera level stories about the characters I was drawing in these pictures. Yeah. Um, which was super embarrassing because I I would just talk like do the voices and talk to myself while I would draw. So if you walked in on me drawing, I'd be like, "How could you have kissed my sister?" And then I <laughs> listen this. All this all leads to D and D because that also involves character voices sometimes. Um, oh yes, um, oh, yeah, like role playing. Like, yeah, well, I mean, D and D is largely is largely a storytelling experience. So this all ties to storytelling. Yeah, um, totally but makes I, sense. I was writing a lot, and then I got into fan fiction when I was like eleven or twelve. Started with Buffy fan fiction, ended over, ended up over in Harry Potter fan fiction. Um. I feel like that's like a natural course, a natural evolution. I think so. Mm -hmm. And then... Both very queer fan fiction. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't writing queer fan fiction, which is the weird part. That's so funny. I mean, I guess also just me being super queer that any of the like Harry Potter fan fiction I've seen has all been like Harry and... um... Oh, no. Never did any of that. Okay. Um, (laughs) I always... Honestly, I found the boys really boring. Um, oh, but when they bang, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> See, and my friends were always, my friends always were super it's into the hot. Harry Draco fan fiction. That was never, that was never my bag. Um, mm. uh, I only ever wrote fan fiction that had Hermione in it pretty much. Uh, and, but no, I, I started with Buffy fan fiction, ended up Harry, writing Harry Potter fan fiction, and then started writing like more original stuff when I was like 16 or so. I think I wrote one completed novel length manuscript that I actually finished before the Duff. Mm-hmm. And um, I wrote the Duff my senior year. And I was on a writing website at the time um, with a lot of other like aspiring writers. And I had like a critique group that I developed. I grew up, for context, grew up really, really, really poor in the South. I'd never met an author. I'd never been to a book signing. I had no idea how publication worked. Um, I was using the internet at school because we didn't have the internet at home at the time. Um, but I was on the yearbook. So when oh. I finished my yearbook stuff, also my aunt was the business department teacher, um, which meant I was able to uh, hang out in her classroom during lunch and stuff. So I would get on this writing website and I had this critique group I developed. We'd exchange emails and I had had a few people read the manuscript and they were like, you should try and get an agent. And I was like, I mean, it's not going to happen, but sure, I'll give it a shot. Because my attitude was, it doesn't cost money. I've done enough research to know that. I'm going to college in the fall anyway. Um, you know, I've got scholarships lined up and stuff. I have nothing left to lose. Like, there's nothing I can lose here. The worst case scenario it doesn't happen, and I'm doing exactly what I had planned. I was going to major in writing anyway. Yeah. Um, wow. So, so you're like a completed manuscript. You're going off to college. You're looking for an agent. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so I started right? looking for an agent, got one um, a few days before I graduated. And she sold the book that summer, um, a couple a couple months before I turned eighteen. So that my right just in the time frame that my mom had to be on the phone call uh, for everything because <laughs> oh I wasn't legally <laughs> able to make for this your contract. Yes. Yeah, wow. yeah. By the time the contract wow. actually came through, I was eighteen, so I could sign it on my own. Mm-hmm. But like for the actual negotiation phone call, when my agent called, she's like, "Your mom has to be on the call legally," and I'm like, "All right." My mom is literally just gonna sit there and be quiet because she's like, "You know more about this than I do." I don't. I don't know. It's very Tegan and Sarah. Same for them. Oh, but, really? Yeah, yeah. That they were getting all these um, deals from like record producers and stuff, and they hadn't turned eighteen, and the mom was like, "You can sign on." I think she said, "Told them they could sign on once they." 
turned 18 and then like make a, make a decision. But she was like there for the conversations and like had to be, you know, they were all like calling for the mom and then the girls were just like on the phone anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. My, my mom was very supportive. My dad was very much like, how do you know they're not taking advantage of you? Everybody's out to get you, you know, and take advantage of you. Uh, my mom was very like much like- It's a scary like, thing if you don't know anything about the, like, industry. Yeah, and, like, sure. My mom, however, wow. knows me well enough to know that I research everything into the ground. Yeah. So she's like, I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing here. Um, because you've, re- I know you, I know you research everything. You don't make any decisions lightly because you have an anxiety disorder. Um, <laughs> Like, so I research for my mental health. <laughs> yeah, it's completely true. Yeah. Um. So I got a book deal, and that was my my first book deal. I signed it when I was uh, I just turned eighteen. The book came out uh, in two thousand ten. It's almost we're almost hitting its ten year anniversary in wow. September. It'll be ten years since the Duff came out. Wow. Um. Which makes me feel very uncomfortable because I feel like that was very recent. Um, <laughs> uh, and here I am. I'm my time flies when you're a published many, author. Yeah, how many <laughs> time flies when you're a best-selling author? Oh no, how many um, books have you written since the Duff? Though a lot, right? Uh, my eighth one. I wow. think it's number eight. Will come out in April. That's incredible. So where do you find the time to play Dungeons and Dragons? Yes. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Between edits. What tabletop games are you playing? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I came to Dungeons & Dragons a co- only a couple years ago. I'm actually kind of new to it. Um, but the reason I picked this topic um, – well, two reasons. The first reason I picked this topic is because I've written about this. I largely figured out that I'm gay through tabletop games. Yeah. Um, but the other reason is because one of the ways Carolyn and I ended up messaging each other was because she had a question about Dungeons & Dragons. Yes. Oh. And I was like – this will just be our topic. This is fine. That's perfect. <laughs> I did because uh, one of my friends is wants to get into Dungeons and Dragons and was looking for and wants to do it with a queer group. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I started learning how queer Dungeons and Dragons Can has be. actually yeah that it's become increasingly queer. So it didn't start off no inherently queer. Not at all. Not when I was a kid. But explain. No what Dungeons and Dragons is because I like sort of. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Cause I want to be the cool one who's like, yeah, I know everything about it. I just don't play it. <laughs> right. But, like right. I know everything, I know everything about everything, it. But you, you go ahead. But, there's monsters, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've watched, I've watched people play it when I was in college. There, um, there was a group that played in like the communal mm-hmm. kitchen and mm. I would walk to get like water and then listen to them talk and be cracking up thinking it was the funniest thing because I'm like, what are they talking about? Like, this is... <gasps> oh, out of context. So out of context. Bananas. And do yeah. not know what Dungeons and Dragons is totally. and just hear people kind of talking about, like, mm-hmm. wizards and dwarfs. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> Who are these guys? What, so, what are they They're playing? mostly men. I feel like when I was growing up, mm-hmm. it was a lot of, like, Only nerdy, white... Yes. Straight men, like that I think my brother played it, who was lovely. So, mm-hmm. And in, didn't in feel Stranger like it was for Things, us. yeah, in yes. Stranger Things, it's also yep. uh, mm-hmm. prominent in the show. But it's the boys who mm-hmm. play Dungeons and Dragons. So, it seemed like there were the a lot girls. of rules, and it was too complicated for women. It's, I don't know. I, it really intimidated me. Oh, go play stories. girl talk. Have, go play yeah, girl talk. I play women. girl talk. Dateline. Oh I have stories about the whole "it's too complicated for men" women thing, but I'll get to that in a little bit. So, <laughs> I'm not saying it is. I'm saying that no, was no, what no. society taught still, me. There are still people who truly believe this. Um, so, okay, 
for uh, the uninitiated, uh, Dungeons and Dragons is at its it's a tabletop role playing game. Which, if you've ever played a video game that is labeled as a role playing game, like where you're given a character, and like you Final make, Fantasy, yes, okay. like mm-hmm. where you make decisions, or Dra- Dragon Age is one of my favorites, and that's going to play into this story. Um, but any sort of video game where you you know take on a character and have to make decisions with them and play as this character, that's a role playing game. Um, so those video games largely spawned from tabletop role playing games back before you know we had video games that could do this. Mm-hmm. Because Dungeons and Dragons has been around for a really long time. Um, 70s. Yeah. And there are more than just Dungeons and Dragons. There's a lot of tabletop role-playing games. So the way that it essentially works is it's kind of just communal storytelling um, with some rules to help keep things in line. Some games have more rules than others. Dungeons and Dragons has had five editions. Um, The fifth edition is one of the most streamlined, so it's less super bulky and rules heavy. But then they also have games like Pathfinder, which have a ton of rules. Mm. there's also games like, if we get, want to get really queer, there's a game like Monster Hearts, which is somewhat more recent. Um, and Monster Hearts? Monster Hearts, yep. Which is somewhat more recent. It really focuses on queer, like queer teens. Um, and it has very few rules. It's one of the easiest things to just pick up and play. So at its core, Dungeons & Dragons is a tabletop role-playing game. So you have, sometimes you have maps, you have a character sheet that has all your stats on it, you have dice, and um, you play a character. It's sort of this beautiful blend between two of my favorite things, which are writing and theater. I did theater um, all through middle school and high school um, and even up into college. I took some improv classes at UCB when I moved to New York. I haven't been on stage since like 2013 or something. So it's been a long time. Um, And in a way, getting into tabletop games has been me getting to come back to that because I used to be a performer. That was something I, I loved to do and have kind of not been able to have an avenue for it for a really long time. Um, so it's it's collaborative storytelling. And uh, you can play whatever you want. Um, basically, you have certain races you can play. So like elves, uh, half-orcs, dwarves, humans, if you're boring. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I play a couple of Is human that like characters. like vanilla so. Dunstan and Dragon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's also classes that you can choose from, like wizard uh, rogue, so someone who's more sneaky. Um, do you choose them, or do you like get? Do you have to? Do you get assigned them, or you can choose? Okay, you can choose. Um, and then cool. you have stats that you put into different categories, like strength or charisma. Um, so it's kind of like on Mario Kart when you're <laughs> submitting the cart, and all the carts like have their own things that are good, but they. <laughs> You can't say, like, one cart's better than another because, like, all the meter levels probably, like, sure. equal out. Oh. They just fill in different. Yes. Yeah. You know what? We'll, we'll go with that. That's probably the best. <laughs> I have not played Mario Kart since I was, like, 11. So I I've never sure. played Mario Kart, but I got it. Okay. See, I thought that would be a simple way of. <laughs> no, it did make sense. Also, it makes sense that it's a writing storytelling game because I feel like yeah. as you're plotting out a story or even like a comedy bit or a novel or whatever you're writing, you're making character sheets. You're If you're organized that way, if you do yes. binders, you're either doing it in your head or you're doing it in a binder or yes. you're doing it digitally. Yeah. You're keeping track of um, an emotional, physical history, your world building, you're creating problems, you're solving them together on an adventure with yes. a group. That's how yeah. storytelling works. Oh, so yeah. So this totally makes sense to me. Well, it's also interesting because I know that now some teachers are incorporating it into like classrooms and after school programs because it can be really helpful for kids learning like um like community building and also problem solving mm-hmm. um, yeah which is really cool um but Dungeons and Dragons isn't the only one it is by far the most well known 
But there are lots of tabletop role-playing games. I've played several of them, but D&D is definitely my favorite. Um, so nice. I came to D&D. Let's get to the queer stuff. Now. Yeah. So, okay. So here's how. The, my queer boys. I'll start. <laughs> I'm already gayer. Yeah. <laughs> and I just heard Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, whoa. Tell I think me, my, tell I me think all my about dog it. likes that voice because suddenly she's oh. up. She's like, hello. Sorry, yeah. I'll go back <laughs> to Mindy. I know. I know. Yes, oh, you're a sorry, very Corey. good girl. Corey's like, are you talking about D&D again, mom? <laughs> I just said queer right. in like a really coffee talk voice and the dog just rose from the carpet. <laughs> right. She is unfortunately heterosexual. Okay. Uh, we support allies. Yeah, yeah. She's she's the truest ally of them all. Um, but yes. So how you got into it? You were yeah. So for context, when I got into D anD D, I knew I wasn't straight, but that was about it. Um, you can kind of track my understanding of my sexuality through my books, which is really funny. Uh, so like my first several books that are, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. My first several books are all heterosexual because. I thought I was heterosexual, which is cute in hindsight. And somehow you probably managed to make it interesting. That's <laughs> that's the shocking part about it. You made heterosexuality interesting. And yeah, if there are heterosexuals listening, you are interesting and loved. Yeah. But, you know. But. No. Take some work. Um, <laughs> and then the yes. I have a book that came out a couple of years ago, like 2016, I think, where one of the main characters is bisexual, which was because at that time I'd figured out, I think I started writing that around the time I watched the first season of The L Word. Um, I watched the, do it. I watched the first season, <laughs> The L Word, thinking, I'm bi-curious. And then ended the first season going, I like ladies. Um, <laughs> uh, but I still wasn't, I hadn't like given myself permission to actually date women. I think mm. I still was dealing with a lot of internalized homophobia, which is really strange because I've always been, even when I thought I was straight, I was like hardcore an ally. I grew up in the time old, timeless tradition of having a lesbian aunt. Um, <laughs> so... I was never like uncomfortable with homosexuality, but so I um had this notion in my head that while I thought I was probably bisexual, I wasn't for sure because I'd never been with a woman. So like I couldn't know for sure. So I couldn't involve anyone else in that. To which my close friend, who is also queer, said, Cody, you've never been with a dude either. So like by that logic, how do you know that you're like that you're interested in men at all? Mm. That was good logic because it turns out I wasn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I went through like this whole that whole era and then uh at some point a few years ago and I feel I feel weird talking about this sometimes cuz I'm like all of the identities that I thought I was a part of are very valid and there are people who live with those identities and don't ever don't ever change yep mm-hmm. but for me it took a long time and a lot of figuring things out and a lot of me thinking I was part of different communities before I finally figured anything out. Yeah. yeah. So like, Which is normal and doesn't mean that those communities yes. you went through are yes. less valid because your story is only your story. Exactly. And I yes. always try to emphasize that because I realize that I'm a big old cliche. <laughs> um, well, it's, so many people go through that and, uh, and especially – now probably more more than ever like i when i went to Clexicon last year oh, my dream there was a <laughs> there was a session about uh identities and a lot of people talking about all the different things they identified as and and then they weren't even sure like where they were that day was 
really how they'll yeah. identify yeah. five mean, years from now. That's when I use all my words. I use all the things I went through as a part of this big like pot of like gooey Mindy. Like, yeah, I don't necessarily like <laughs> gooey Mindy. Gooey Mindy. <laughs> Welcome back to gooey Mindy, <laughs> a melting pot of sexuality and identity. No, but I do like I um I don't think it's for me. I can't just make those disappear. Yeah, but I can say that like if I'm going to like have to give someone like one word, even though you shouldn't have to, but some people ask for words and it's important, whatever. You pick the one that you're feeling yeah. presently and that's okay, well, but the other ones are fine too. And that's what I try and like and try and emphasize because like even though I don't identify these ways anymore, at the time it felt really real to me. Mm-hmm. And so for a while I thought I was bisexual and then I thought I might be asexual but biromantic because mm-hmm. I was like – don't – it's so confusing. I'm not opposed to sex, but I've never met anyone, parentheses, any guy, because I was still telling myself I needed to date men for some reason, that I've actually wanted to sleep with. It's – you know, and I I had this whole thing in my head where I was like, so I'm probably asexual. And I wrote a book with the characters asexual. Um, and, like, that was really, really how I was identifying at the time, hmm. um, which leads me to D&D. <laughs> yes. So – I came to D&D actually through video games first. I had played um, the Dragon Age video games, which are video game role-playing games where you make a character and then play through their decisions. And they also have romance in them because I'm a, I'm a very basic. And I just want to be able to have my pixel kiss another pixel. Um, <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> didn't we all just want to find the code for our Sims to fuck when we all played the Sims? Oh, I grew up playing the Sims too. I was like, what? Do I need to type in, <laughs> you know, there was actually a, a yes. I can't remember the name of it, um, a role-playing game that I played on like a PC years and years ago. And I, and there was like a way to get like a little bit sexual with, and it felt like <laughs> so adult. And like, that was my, it was like, I don't care who got murdered in this house. I need to find out yes. how to get these yes. people sexy. That was Somebody all I wanted. Somebody hold my character. Right, right. Listen. I went up at Orc on Trail. I was like, who's going to fuck me before I die of salmonella or whatever? Right. Or dysphoria. Well, I don't know the disease is, but yes. <laughs> dysentery. That dysentery. Was the yeah. Yeah. So I was like, before I die of dysentery, can someone just spoon me once? Right. But like in in The Sims, like I, I always, I grew up playing with Sims too. Again, hindsight, I should figure out that I always... <laughs> always had my female sim who was married to a man cheat with a lady <laughs> i i was like a teenager i there's so many signs um anyway subconscious is such a strong beast it's great i i felt really called out recently because i was listening to another lesbian podcast um actually one that you've been a guest on uh let's hang out yeah and they were talking oh, about cool. bend it like beckham and how it should have been gay and they made a joke about like kira knightley wears bandanas in the movie which is like the universal sign of i'm a teenage girl who doesn't know i'm gay yet and i was like yeah. i feel attacked <laughs> a girl who as a 17 year old went through a hardcore bandana phase yeah um but also correct um so anyway yes i was playing this video game and i really enjoyed playing them but of course the game eventually ends you can replay it but i found out that there was a tabletop game based on this video game so um i had always wanted to play D, but my friends who like played tabletop role-playing games in high school i finally convinced to take them take me with them once because i really wanted to play and then those friends broke up so that was not an option anymore. I didn't know anyone who played in college. I also didn't know any of the rules. Also, it involves a lot of dice, which are very small, which mm. I am legally blind. So that was not really an option. Character sheets were hard for me to see. 
All these things totally. that made me think, this is not going to be a game I can play. This is not an option for me. But then someone um, told me about a website called Roll20 where you can play D&D online with, like, people wherever. You don't have to be at the same table. You can mm-hmm. roll your dice uh, digitally. You can move tokens around, like, a digital map. Um, and, you know, you can all be on, like, Discord or Skype or whatever to hear each other and just all play together on this website. And I was like, well, that sounds way more accessible. So maybe this is an option. Yeah. And they had a, like, a um, find a group thing on the website. So I started off not in D&D, but in the Dragon Age tabletop game. It's a tabletop game, similar to D&D, different rule set. Um, and you were playing online. Yes, and it's based on the video game. So I met some people that way. Um, and I joined a couple of different games that didn't really last. And then I joined one that ended up going for about two years. Um, Wait, what one for two years? The game. The game? Yes. So we that played. was one of my questions. So a, a yeah. game, it's in Dungeons and Dragons. It's called a campaign. Let's yes. get into okay. it. Yes, campaign. Look at you, you did some I know research. The language. No, wow. it's so impressed. It's from watching Stranger Things. That's it. <laughs> Don't be impressed. <laughs> it, uh, so, so I was wondering, how long does a campaign last? Like, it could depends. it sh- like shortest, longest, it roughly? Depends. Is there average? Um, yeah. Not really an average. Some people do what's called a one shot, where it's just like we play one session for one short story, and that's it. And then other campaigns. I mean, you can go up to level twenty in most games. Um, you start at level one. You can go all the way up to level twenty. There's Some, levels. Yes. Oh my gosh. That once you as you go on, you like you'll level up throughout the game, kind of like a video game. But oh, sorry to interrupt, but I think we're both you know D and D virgins, so we just. If you're in a campaign with uh-huh. a, some peeps, right, and you're yes. online playing this game, and dice are rolling, and character sheets are sheeting, and adventures mm-hmm. are happening, and the monsters mm-hmm. and all that jazz, and then like you're doing this for six months, let's say, and then someone wants to drop out, can you lose some people? Does yeah. everyone have to commit to oh, two years? Yeah, no, that happens. It happens all the time that people have to leave, and then you'll either you'll carry on without them, or you'll get a new player to come in and you know take over that slot so it's like flowy and fluid so yeah. so they have to take over that character no 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 they can make no. their own character okay they can c- totally come in make a completely new character i'll just you'll either kill off or write out the other character so you could come That's into like somebody show you okay. could like come in like waltz into somebody's one-year game oh yeah which is awkward as fuck. that's what i was thinking but it happens it happens and it sometimes it's fine it's fascinating it's so um, fascinating but think of it like a tell okay it's like dating a D&D. couple who's been together for five years and yeah, all of a sudden you're throubling and it's like okay sorry think, okay. Of, <laughs> think of D like a tv show relate to this however you need to thank Mindy. you <laughs> i need to just make it my own i mean it is there is a, like a, there is like a social contract you need to be aware of when you're playing with other people and like it so it is kind of like that you're like figuring out like who works with each other whose personalities mesh etc yeah i mean that that was the thing with my with my neighbor who if you're in new york and looking for a queer group she's still looking because the the contact that you gave her um they agreed to do it on saturdays and she's like well i'm i travel and i'm not always around and i don't want to say yes to something and then be the flaky one in in the group yeah Yeah, and that sometimes that happens and it's frustrating um so i play online largely so that I can play from wherever I need to. Yeah. And also because it's more accessible. But yes, um, you can definitely have people that have to leave and then you'll have to have someone else come up with a new character. And it can be awkward. It can be completely fine. I've seen it happen both ways. Some campaigns last one session. Others last for years. Think of it like a TV show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're meeting every week. And like sometimes the story is a one-off, like monster of the week kind of thing. And then sometimes it's part of a big, long arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's that's the best way I know how to explain it. To the point where sometimes even we'll jokingly refer to a session as in this episode, <laughs> like we'll make jokes about it. Yeah. So it, it very much feels that way. You have like an ensemble cast with all your characters, etc. Is Love there it. a Buffy tabletop game? I feel like there is. Okay. I've never played it. There is. Oh. There is. I'm going to say oh. that that's what could ease me into this world, I think. <laughs> I have never played it, but it, I know it exists. What's your gateway to D&D? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it would be Buffy. <laughs> For me, it was Dragon Age because I played the video games. I knew the lore. I knew the world. Um, so yeah. That was the first game I played. And I ended up in a campaign that lasted about two years. And I made a character who, at the time, this is this is the story of how D&D and tabletop games in general helped me figure out I was gay. Great. I made this character... And at the time when I made her, in my head, she was bisexual. Her essential backstory was that she had been, like, a servant in, like, this noble family's house. And then she'd had an affair with, like, the nobility, the noble, uh, the noble family's daughter. And <laughs> I'll read that book. Right? No, I, I, listen, um, I, I, loved, I loved this character so much. And then had gotten, uh, the family was very angry and had basically tried to exile her from her own city, which is why she was traveling with the, the other group of adventurers, et cetera. At the time when I made her, my intention was that she was going to be bisexual because that's how I identified at the time. Um, and she was meant to be, like, a bit demisexual as well. Like, didn't usually, like, uh, want to sleep with someone until she already developed an intense emotional bond with them. Um, I feel this. I feel this hard. Um, I, I loved this character so much. I ended up really attached. But as time went on... She ended up falling in love with an NPC, a non-playable character, <laughs> basically a character that the dungeon master, so the person who tells the story that you're all playing in, controls. And she ended up falling in love with this character. And throughout playing her, I began to realize, oh, this character's not bisexual. She's clearly a lesbian, mm-hmm. um, which ended up becoming kind of a story point at one point when another character was like, the character's name was Adney. It was like, Adney, when have you ever been attracted to a guy? And she's like, um, oh. Around that time, I had that same reaction. Uh, wow. wow. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so We're both just like wide-eyed, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so as pl- throughout playing her, and then especially once she ended up falling in love with this other, this other character, and they ended up, by the end of the campaign, they were married. I got so attached to these characters and to their story, and it allowed me an opportunity to, despite the fact that I hadn't allowed myself to date women at this point, Mm -hmm. it allowed me to kind of explore that in, like, a safe way, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And through playing her and through doing so, I realized, oh, oh, I'm gay. Like, that is why I'm relating so hard to this and why I'm getting so deeply emotional about this it's that I'm exploring a part of myself that I didn't know I was. Um, it, it helped that another another girl in the group is queer. She's pan. And she she teases me all the time. Now we're very close. And um, we play in other games together as well um, since that campaign, campaign has ended. Mm-hmm. And she teases me all the time. Now she goes, it has been wild to watch you figure out your sexuality. She was like, because... And she admitted to me, she's like, I kind of thought you were probably gay from the time I met you. So watching you figure it out at the same time as your character was wild. Oh, <laughs> that's wow. so funny. That's so special. Like, it, that's so awesome. It reminds me a little bit of like when you're writing, when you write something mm-hmm. um, like a, a screenplay or something that's scripted that you need to have like a, a readout mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
the actors start asking questions about the character, but the character is like really you. And then yes. you're just like, feel like all of a sudden you're in therapy or on the spot yes. and being like, it's so vulnerable. well, doesn't it make sense why she doesn't talk to her dad? Yeah. yeah. Like she's so guarded and you're like, she's not guarded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. but, but people are seeing things that like maybe you, you yeah. can't see or you can't realize. And it's oh, like, yeah. like it's a character, but it also, because like, even when you, play a character it's got to be rooted in some type of reality 100%. oh yeah every yeah every character i've ever played or written in any of my books every single one has at least something in common with me yeah it has to you have to like you have to we write like you're writing fiction right even stand-up comedy is like it's stuff that we've gone through and like real situations but we're like fictionalizing and arcing things for jokes right it's right. Not like that's not the exact conversation i had with that bodega person or whatever yeah. but it's, I think that's the same thing. Like we're constantly writing what we know and we're also writing to solve problems within our psyche a lot. Yes. I think yeah. that's why we communicate. So it makes total sense to storytell for our psyche. I just totally think that makes so much sense. I yeah. It, in, in, in hindsight, it does. I think I wrote a whole thing for the Mary Sue about this actually um, because I started realizing I wasn't alone. <laughs> yeah. um, so from that game, I ended up playing a lot more tabletop games, um, some that lasted, some that I'm still in, et cetera. Um, and I got really into D&D specifically because that game wasn't D&D. That game was a Dragon Age game. Yeah. Right. Now I play way more D&D because I like the system more and – um, and I got into D&D specifically because I started watching Critical Role, which is this um, – a bunch of voice actors uh, uh, out in L.A. started Geek and Sundry um, a few years ago, asked them, like, hey, you guys play Dungeons & Dragons every week. Like, can we record it? Can you guys come here and we just record your game and, like, oh. stream it? And so they allowed it. And now it's massive. It's huge. Huge. Wow. I did not watch the first campaign. I have now. I've gone back and watched the first campaign. So you but, can like voyeur on someone's yes. Dungeons and Dragons game. Yeah, and they're voice actors, so like they get really into the voices. Oh. Um and it's it's the the guy who runs the game, Matt Mercer, is a really great storyteller. And so it's just it's Yeah. And they're all very close friends. So like they have this great rapport and their characters like end up having these really interesting complex journeys because you know these are all actors doing this so like they're they get real into it and it's yeah. it's it great. Sounds, I've definitely read about this yeah. before. I think uh, I think someone tweeted uh, at me once after I had tweeted at you guys and was like. <gasps> You need to go on Diking Out and talk about Critical Role. And I was like, <laughs> and it's happening now. And, dear listener. Maybe um, true. Um, but so this, uh, the most recent campaign of Critical Role, which is currently the one going, is what I got into and what made me go, I want to do D&D specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the main characters in it, um, the actress I assume identifies as heterosexual. She's married to the dungeon master. Um, but her character is very clearly lesbian. And it's there's no there, there there's no read between the lines. Her character like is a lesbian. She's hitting on another female character from the beginning of the of the series. Okay. And I fell so in love with this character. Um, now we know that two of the characters in the party are lesbians. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, I'm seeing something of myself in this game. I want I want to play D and D specifically, and like yeah. it, like I want to I want to play this more. I want to explore this more. And it got to the point where literally every character I ever made <laughs> ended up being a lesbian. <laughs> Again, me maybe telling myself something. Um, and so, so you get to pick the everything, the everything. Mm -hmm. But then, when I was reading a little bit about this, mm -hmm. it sounded like like in the official 
writing though, like there, like there's gay shit and like non-binary yes. stuff yes. like okay. written into the story. I'm so excited to talk about this. Oh yes. yeah, because that, that you're been, not choosing. There's been different versions. Yes. Now. Okay. So here's something important to know: the dungeon master can either come up with their own story, which we call homebrew where they come up with their entirely own setting, their own story. They're completely telling the story by themselves. Okay. However, Wizards of the Coast, who are the ones who make Dungeons & Dragons, also release modules, which are pre-written. So any Dungeon Master can pick it up. Here's the entire story. Here's all the rules. Here's the monsters you need. You can pick it up and you can run it. That way you're not having to come up with your your own story. Like a template. Yes. So D&D definitely used to have a reputation for being very straight white man. Um, and I remember the first time I encountered like a and d game happening was as a teenager, I was at a comic book store. I walked back into the back to look for a specific thing and there was a table full of, uh, full of like straight white dudes who all froze when I went back there and just stared at me. And I was like, yeah. I'm, this is not a place for me, I guess. <laughs> um, so... I, that was definitely an impression I had for a long time, even though I had a couple friends who played it, then they broke up, so I didn't get, they didn't get to change my opinion at all. Um, but the modules were written by the game, people who made yes, the game. But, and they're making different versions of it? Yes. Now with 5th edition, um, so one of the, I don't know his exact job title, I apologize, but Jeremy Crawford, I think he's the lead rules designer, lead game designer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a queer man. Oh. And I thought he'd have a cooler title, like lead elf matician. <laughs> Oh, I wish. Someone, someone needs to email right. Wizards of the Coast and be like, get cooler game uh, titles for your yeah. character. Yeah, their business cards, I mean, I you probably don't want something with wizard in it because that's a different organization <laughs> where they call themselves wizards. But, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, but Wizards of the Coast has <laughs> made an endeavor, which I appreciate largely. Uh, Jeremy Crawford has been a big advocate for this. So in their modules... The character, like the characters you might encounter, for example, it'll be just casual mentions of queer things. Like, mm-hmm. like there might there's a shopkeeper who is non-binary in one of the modules that I've actually played, and it specifically says in the text that they use they them pronouns, and if the characters misgender them, they will politely correct them. Oh, so th- so so there's been like smatterings of like queer yeah, identified is, things in the in these new modules. Yeah, a, quite a bit yeah. of it. Actually. And is that what's bringing in, do you think? I think it's a couple of things. I think that, I think Wizards of the Coast has also done a lot of good work with outreach in mm-hmm. the last several years of really trying to market the game to a wider audience. I think they're fully aware that there was a stigma of being very straight, white, male-centric for a long time. Yeah. And with the fifth edition, which is what's currently out, I think they've made an endeavor to, like, show more women playing. Because, like, women have always been playing D&D, but just that they didn't get a ton of attention. And I think Wizards of the Coast has done a lot to try and spotlight it. I think Critical Role has done a lot in this regard as well because there are women who play the game um, in, you know, in that campaign, which is, again, super popular. Um, And then in the actual modules, it is much more explicitly clear now that there are, like a large group of diverse characters that you can encounter in this world. The world is populated with queer, with mm-hmm. queer and trans and non-binary like people. And like we're going to represent it in there. this game. We're not, we're yeah. going to make other people feel like they can be represented. Yes. And then the dungeon master, if they're not going to use a module are creating their own representation. They, they can decide. Yeah. And wow. I, there are definitely still some, some toxic kind of, um, 
groups out there for sure. But when I join any game, the first thing I do is I look to see if it specifically mentions that it's LGBT friendly. And if it doesn't, what I will do is I will just, if I apply to a game like on Roll20, like where I don't know the players, most of the games I join, I know someone in the group. But if I'm looking for a game where I don't know anyone yet, I specifically will say, hey, I'm queer. Every character I play is queer. So that way, if that's something they're uncomfortable with, they're not going to pick me. Yeah, it's not your Yeah, And I've mostly had really good experiences um, in that regard, um, in a couple of games where it's like everyone's queer. Yeah. But I've also realized, again, I'm not alone. I think now that more more people are coming to D&D and ex- getting this opportunity, you're seeing more exploration as well. Because as I mentioned before, what's nice about it is it offers you the ability to explore a part of yourself that maybe you don't feel comfortable doing so in real life yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I have a close friend who um, – she is trans and she told me, she's like, I largely figured out I was trans because I felt more comfortable playing female characters in D&D. Mm-hmm. So totally. she's like, so I would let myself do that. And like, it's been, again, interesting because now I'm on the end that my my friend who is Pan was in watching me. I'm on the other end because when I met my friend, she was not out as trans yet. And it was a few months into that campaign that she was like, my name, like told me her new name and was like, I'm, you know, I want to use she, her pronouns. And we're like, yeah, totally. Great. And this was like the confidence to do that was through this role playing. Yeah. And, and like, like seeing playing herself. female characters and realizing yeah. this is, this is closer to me. And, um, she's not the only one. I know sure. of at least one other yeah. person who had that exact same experience. You know, I totally relate to this. I mean, I think everyone does, but I mean, I never played tabletop games. I never have played D&D, but like, you know, I'm a performer and a writer and I know there's a lot of creative people Mm -hmm. who listen to this. Yeah. I think we're constantly creating to help out ourselves. Oh yeah, for sure. I performed for six years live on stage as an alter ego named Labia Rogers, who was a dyke chick rocker. I was not queer at the time. I wasn't out. I had a boyfriend (gasps) who I loved. Oh, I love this. But- it was just like my art knew I was gay before I did. Yes. I, yeah. But I felt like on stage was my, it's role playing. What else are we doing on stage? But we're like, I'm an actress. Like that's what right. I'm doing on yes. stage. But I would go to these shows and perform as this like butchy singer songwriter. I created a girlfriend for myself for six years. I mean, people didn't even know my name or who, that I did stand up because I performed exclusively as this character. <laughs> And then, how did I not know this about you, Mindy? I mean, she'll do a live stone wall. She'll come, Labia will come back for diking out. I, there's going to be a spot in your Wikipedia yes. uh, page all, all about Labia yeah. Rogers. For my fan butch out there, can you yeah. add Labia Rogers to my Wikipedia, please? Thanks it's so a must. much. Um, but oh if I didn't, you know, it seems so obvious looking back that I was clearly exploring some kind of queer identity on stage yeah. in a safe space and also trying to feel safe on stage as women identified because I didn't feel femi and safe, safe as being femi during the stand-up world for mm-hmm. all the different reasons, which is a totally another thing. Yeah. But I created like a butch bodyguard kind of for myself on stage. Looking back, it's so obvious, but in hindsight, but in, during the time, it was just like yeah. a necessary thing. Yeah, I to figure this out. I I think that any sort of any sort of storytelling, any sort of theater or performance or writing can potentially offer this. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know why it took D&D rather than some of my past experience of writing or performing, but that's what it took. And yeah. yeah. Um 
And, and since that's then, probably why there's so many queer people in, in theater. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, it's because we're all drawn to wanting to, like, feel explore safe. something. Yeah. yeah, and feel safe and feel like we can be in an environment where we can really, like, explore and who control. we are. It's like, control yes, it's it. really comforting yeah. when you are in an environment where you feel othered in yeah. any way. And I'm saying this is, like, privileged white uh, cis able able person, but you know you can feel othered in so many ways. And when you feel othered so much, and to be able to be in a situation where you have like that control, mm-hmm. which I feel like writing does, and D and D, would you say D and D is like you can because you can control and choose things? It, it's it's interesting because it allows you just to, it allows you enough control to feel like some comfort, but also takes the control out of your hands enough that it kind of it's not scripted, so it lets you explore. Got because it. if you're a player. The dungeon master is the one who, you know, they know where you're going next. They know certain things. You get a lot of choices. And that's the fun of it is that you get to make choices. You get to change the story. But, like, it's also up to the dice in a lot of cases. But I think a lot of it, too, is that, at least for me, I don't often get to see people like me in the media. And I don't just mean queer. I also mean disabled. Like, I'm I'm blind. Mm -hmm. And so there's not often people like me in the media. And so playing D&D, I don't just get to make a character potentially like me. Most of my characters aren't blind. I think I only have one that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, they get to be a hero, which is really cool. They get to be powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they get to have a story that is, you know, about them being cool and being, you know, and And, and, and all the different strong. parts of them, like, all, you can, like, yeah. can you choose, like, what powers then you have or yeah. what, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you pick a class, that determines, like, what like what kind of build you're going to have. So, like, you could be a cleric who all your magic is, like, holy magic of some court, sort. And uh, most of the games I have played in, um, if they have a pantheon of gods at all, like, it's, it's not – there's not the same kind of context of, like, and you can't be gay in this religion. That's not really a thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've played many gay clerics. Um I don't even know what that means, but I'm like, yes. <laughs> clerics basically, yeah. Basically, clerics are usually healers, but they can do a lot of ah. other cool stuff. But they they usually follow a specific deity, and that deity is the one who gives them powers. I mean, you would hope in this world where you can make anything up that people yes. wouldn't apply rules like, mm-hmm. mm, but they can't be gay because they're a cleric. It's like, there's a fucking dragon. In, the, yes. Yes. Like, like with, with Harry Potter when, yes. when they're like, Dumbledore can't be gay. And I'm like, he's a wizard. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. With, exactly. With, with Harry Potter and then also uh, with with Game of Thrones, you know, the I'm like, why, why does everybody have to be white who's from this area when we're talking mm-hmm. about yes. it, this isn't a historically accurate show there are dragons yes there exactly. is like weird exactly. time travel like there's weird stuff going on so yeah, can yeah. we at least incorporate positive things yes. as well yes. and can we do some diversity since if there's dragons there's diversity i'm <laughs> yeah. sorry yes <laughs> But yes, I so you can you pick your class and that determines a lot of your abilities, a lot of your powers. But then right. even from there you can pick your own stuff like you can pick what spells you take or mm-hmm. um you know where you want to put you get occasionally you'll get like stat increases or you can pick a feat that lets you have some other cool abilities. You can really customize your character to be whatever you want them to be. Wow. And I think that that there's a lot of appeal there for for people, especially marginalized people who don't get to see themselves be the hero in the media very often. So they yeah. get to make their own hero and be a part of that story. Um, at least that's how it feels for me. Um, 
I love it. I play in um, in a couple of different games a week. Yeah, no, no. Give me your D and D schedule it, with boundaries. Oh God, with okay. boundaries. <laughs> but like, how? I know. Like, I mean, I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, how many campaigns? Is that the right? Yeah. Yes. How many campaigns are you in, or how often are you playing, or do you have to like set boundaries where like I can't play D and D because I have to work on my book? Like, so I only play at night. Which means that I usually have daytime hours to work. Okay. Um, and the, or I can work after the game at night too. Cause sometimes I work uh pretty late. I'm an insomniac, so I work pretty late at night often. Got it. Um, it is embarrassing to say how many games a week I am in. <laughs> so we'll just say I asked, but you do not have to answer. I will yeah. just say a fair many. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not. I never play more than once a day. Listen, I just started playing Zelda Breath of the Wild and <laughs> I do not want to admit how much that has taken I will over say, my life. Being in D D <laughs> has cut down on my video game time yeah. dramatically. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. But I'm I know what it's like to want to get lost in a in a different oh, world. One hundred percent. Yeah. And I've I've rewatched Gilmore Girls like twenty times all seven seasons. Sometimes you just get into it. No judgment. Please don't judge me. I'm not it's I know. I, your, your face just scrunched up into like a beautiful prune. No, I'm just laughing because I couldn't even get through Gilmore Girls. I it's tried. Not, you know, I'm, I'm with you. It did You're something for me at a very specific mother daughter time that sure. I just keep revisiting. But sure. it's, I know there's there's some issues, but like I can't get past this mother daughter core thing that just fills me every time I see it. Yeah. So I just go back to it like a drug. See, okay. see, I I'm that. very, I get that. I'm very tight with my mom, but I can't. I don't even have that with Gilmore Girls because my mom always hated Gilmore Girls. So I can't have like the they're like oh my you know, like this reminds me of me and my mom thing because every time I watch it I'm just like hear my mother in the back of my head being like oh that show again yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. um but which has ruined it forever for me I think yeah. I think if my mother hadn't disliked it I might have gotten into it but, but we've all like we all have something like yeah. that we might be ashamed of the quantity I, but I, no I, shame know, for anyone <laughs> I I it's less that I'm ashamed and more that I know that if I say how many games I'm in I'm gonna get people being like. Don't you have a deadline? Like, you know, I, <laughs> is your editor listening? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I play quite a bit. Um, and every single game I'm in, I play like a cool queer lady. And that's been really good for me, especially because like I, since I only started figuring this stuff out about myself in the last like year or two, I'm still a baby gay in a lot of ways. I'm still lacking in a lot of experience when it comes to like being gay. And I'm still figuring out a lot of things about myself. So this is kind of, in a way, opened a door for me to, like, play a little bit of catch-up, if that makes sense. And, yeah. like, mm -hmm. figuring these things about myself out um, through various characters. Um, so I think a lot of listeners are listening to this and probably really relating who haven't played D&D before. Mm -hmm. And now this yeah. is all sounding very appealing. How do they get into it? Yes. yes. Okay. So. I'm with you. Um. I there's a few different ways you there's if you want to play in real life always look for meetup groups um there's actually reddit has a whole thing uh there's a reddit thread I think it's called lfg looking for game um where some people are posting about online games others are posting about their their neighborhood that's always a way to look um but if you're looking for queer friendly games specifically my personal method is that I go to roll 20 and if you go to the like find a game button on there um after you sign up you can, I always search for LGBT. <laughs> yeah. And all the games that where someone has, where the person putting the game up has specifically said LGBT friendly pop up. Oh. Great. 
So that's that's how I found a few different games in the past, and it's worked really well for me. Roll twenty. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um. So that's that's kind of been my personal my personal method for it. There are other ways. I also just say if you really want to play and you have friends and you can convince them to play, you can be the dungeon master. You can be the person controlling everything as a newbie. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, definitely. Um, everybody starts somewhere. And if you like, if you like, I don't know how to make a story, that's fine. Go pick up one of the modules like uh, that Wizards of the Coast like has put out or go. Um, there's a website called DMs Guild where people will write their own modules and put them up and you can, you know, download them for sometimes they're free. Grab one that's like a one shot and read the rules. And like that tells you everything you need to run it that way. Wow. Um you know, start by buying like the the player's handbook and the dungeon's master's guide, or you know, if you you know, honestly, a lot of the rules you can kind of like do a bit of googling and figure it out. Um, but I would just say, like, if you really want to start playing, then you can do it. And if you don't want to start with D anD D, if you want to start with something simpler, look into some of the other tabletop games. There's Monster Hearts, which takes no prep time. The rules are super easy, and it's incredibly queer. It's if you're a Buffy fan, actually, it's actually a pretty good option because mm. everyone plays as a teenage monster. That is, <laughs> you, you get what's called a skin. You can play the vampire, the witch, the Sasquatch, um, okay, the ghost, and all of those have like some really basic stats and like things for you to roll. It's pretty, it's pretty simple. I've run that game and played in that game before. It's basically a game where it, you you're supposed to just assume every character is queer because you might all end up making out. Um, it's really just, it's basically meant to be, you can play all your CW, uh, Monster of the Week shows to yeah. your heart's content. Oh my God. I love it. Monster Heart. Monster Hearts. Yep. Okay. It's, it's really fun and really queer. And that's a really easy one to start with. Um, especially if you're not into like super high fantasy, you know, half orcs and dragons and all that kind of stuff. If you want to start with like, if you're like, well, I grew up watching Buffy and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. All right. Well, here's a good place to start. Yep. I, think, I think you need to play Monster Heart. I feel very seen here. I feel yeah. like, yeah. Uh, Monster Hearts is great. Uh, if you guys ever want to play, I will run it for you because it's really easy to run. Um, and it's, so gay. It's so much fun. I do I get to it. do voices too? Yeah. Okay. I'm oh. only interested if I can do voices. Oh, oh, I, I do voices for and every I want to make out with the group. So yeah. this is so exciting. Monster Hearts is the perfect game. There's literally yeah. a I want to have the teenage makeouts I never got in high school. Right. 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 That is what the game is for. That's um, perfect. There's also, I mean, Monster Hearts specifically even has a thing that's like, if your character, like rules for if your character sleeps with someone else called a sex move. Every single class gets one. So like, for example, uh, there's one. There's one where which is like um, I think it's the mortal, which is like the character who is like obsessed with like one of the mo other monsters, basically. And their sex move is if you sleep with uh, sleep with your like one true love or whatever, they immediately turn into the worst version of themselves. <gasps> wow! Oh, oh, Monster Arts gets really meta. Each each skin is clearly exploring some specific like trauma that we all suffer through as teenagers. So also, if you're listening and you. Maybe you don't have a therapist on your health insurance plan. Right. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, maybe you can like, you know, with good boundaries and intentions, explore s some of your trauma and we all have shit There's through tabletop. Oh, yeah. yeah. Monster Hearts is also really explicit about using a thing called the X card, which is basically... Um, if there's a specific topic that comes up in game that you're not comfortable with, you can you just put your hand on the X card and, and you know, no questions asked. We move, we move past it. 
Amazing. This is, I feel like this is better communication boundaries than most adults. Right. Have. This, mm-hmm. going back to like what you said earlier, like this should be taught in school. Like when I think of some of the units that yeah. I, I had in school, this would have served a lot of people 100%. much better. I mean, we had yeah. to play team sports, which I'm not against, but yeah. also wasn't for me. And so I was like, I don't like team activities. Yeah. Cause it stressed me out, but I might've liked tabletop, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people are using it in after school programs now, which I think is really, really great. It's a good tool for problem solving. But, but I think too, if it's worked into curriculum, because obviously mm-hmm. there's a, like a nerd stigma mm-hmm. that will keep people away from it when they're in middle school and high school. Cause they're like very, it's actually gotten way more popular with kids recently. Great. Yeah. Like, Great. Cause I want, yeah, I, I want that stigma to go away because like, it sounds like something that any, anyone can enjoy. Plus being a nerd is cool. So I, yeah. I, I have a friend who she was telling me her, like, I had no idea cause her daughter seems so cool to me. Um, she's like got this really cool teenage daughter who's like already out about being gay. And I'm like, oh, she was the kid I wish I had been. Right. Um, and she's really cool. And she and her friends get together and play D and I'm like, sweet. Like when I go and talk to school visits, there's that. always at least a few kids who are like, yeah, I play. So like it, it's, I think hopefully it's cool now to like admit that you like something yeah, and that you're into something. Yes. I, I always I thought that so. wasn't cool when I was growing up. It had to be so, I feel like I grew up in the nineties or late eighties, nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. And I always felt like indifference was cool. Cause it was like this grungy alternative. Like we don't care about anything. And I was like, I care about so many things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think I, hopefully it's cool now to care about things. And that's how your voice so. used to sound, too. <laughs> I hope. I was like oh, walking up to boys. I thought I was smoking a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was smoking like a Marlboro pack of like yeah. Virginia Slims. And I was like, hey, Brad, I care. <laughs> One day I'll have a tight character. <laughs> One day the world will see me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's oh, great. I guess that ties right into what you were asking about voices, though. Uh, I always do voices. No, some people don't. Some people don't bother, and that's fine. But, um... Again, I'm a theater kid, so if yeah. you give me the opportunity to try and do voices, I will. Yeah. That does, however, mean that like when my mom comes to visit, most of the time I will like just not play when my mom's here. But if I usually might might play one game or something while she's here, and I always have to warn her what the character voice is going to be, so that she's not just hearing me like suddenly talking in an Irish accent for no apparent <laughs> reason. Or I have one character who talks like this. She sounds like Barbie, and I have to be like, "Mom, just heads up." So if you hear me go, "Hi." In that voice, you're not suddenly just cackling in the background. Wow. Yeah. Um, but my the, mom's my mom's really cool with it. She thinks it's cool that I'm like really into something, but she doesn't get it at all. Yeah. So I do want to always warn her about what weird voice I might be doing that day. My mom would be so confused. My um, mom just likes to hand me tequila shots while I play. That is that is <laughs> wow. her contribution. That's amazing. That, that seems dangerous to to D and D to D and D to drunk D and D. Yeah, drunk yeah. D and D. Um, my my mother. My mother. You, is, you forget. You forget what you did during your. I yeah. I don't. I have a really high tolerance for alcohol, and tequila just makes me really think everyone's great. Um, so right. you know your tequila limits for dragons and dragons. Yeah, yeah. So my mom just will hand me a like a, a, every so often, like when I'm playing, mom will come back like and whisper like. And I'm like, sure. I want a tequila master if I start Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> right? like, my mom doesn't visit super often, but when she's when she's visiting, like I, I, I have to, war- I always warn my <laughs> friends. Great. I'm like, I will be drinking tequila while I play, and they're always like, cool. Um, I feel like my wife would definitely like 
if I started playing Dungeons and Dragons would build me hopefully like a soundproof studio because she'd be like, okay, babe. Like, they'd be like, okay. Like, and maybe they would give me tequila as well. But yeah. we hope oh, that our loved ones support us in our new endeavors. Yeah. But yes, if you're someone who just wants to play with voices, D&D is good for that too. Nice. Well, I think D&D might be great for our listener who submitted a question, which we have to move on to that portion yes. and start sadly wrapping up. But this has been great so far. So this listener, just for context, uh, the question that is from a baby gay who is in their first serious relationship with a woman. Mm-hmm. She was raised in a Hispanic and Catholic household and listened to our recent episode about commitment. And that was with Kate Sisk as the guest and finds herself in a similar situation where she wants to get married and her partner is somebody who does not really believe in marriage as Mm -hmm. something that's right for her, Mm -hmm. um, regardless of who they're with. Got it. And this listener moved to Boston four years ago and doesn't really have any of her own friends or family there. And her girlfriend is from there and, uh, has always wanted to move to the West Coast, to California. So they've talked about it and about moving to California next year. So this is where, yeah. So even though they don't see eye to eye on marriage, and this listener also for context, I think is 26. um, Mm -hmm. Oh, so close to my age then. Yeah. So she's, she's like, you know, maybe... I can get over that difference, move to California. But that's not even the main question <laughs> here, right? We had the same, like, um, non-judgmental, right. concerned inhale of breath. I know. <laughs> uh, so they write, the one thing that is holding me back from trying and being okay with the whole no marriage thing is that we were talking uh And she said, there are, quote, there are things I want to do and experience and need to do on my own to figure things out. She mentioned that she feels selfish, but it's something she has to do because if she doesn't, she might resent me for it. I emphasize me, myself, because she shouldn't be resenting you. anything but we'll get to that um at the same time she'd feel bad because i would be sacrificing some things but she wouldn't be anyway it's something that has been on my mind and i'm not sure uh if i should just be like let's try to work things out or do you think this is done for good so when i first read this i thought it's very vague uh about what are these things that she wants to experience but then once you elaborated about her feeling selfish and guilty i'm guessing that she might want to have experiences with other people and i, I you smell don't. like a, a i mean this yes it seems to me like a yeah. very vague indirect way of saying i might want to be poly down the road or i might yeah. want to open up and marriage to me yeah. means fidelity which is a totally you can't be indirect about that stuff yeah or I, we don't know though yes it's gonna say it's super vague it could also just mean like i i have some friends who are in relationships and they like to travel completely by themselves they're like i, mm-hmm. I don't want to i don't want to travel with my significant other i would like to travel by myself but if you're someone who's not cool with that that could be an issue as well I don't know. That one's really vague. The concerning thing for me is the one person wants to get married and the other is set on not getting married. Right. Because it doesn't matter how you structure a relationship or what you do in your relationship or how you spend time together, as long as you agree on what that commitment is. So like if someone legally wants to get married because being legally married is an important part of something they want and the other person doesn't, 
then that's kind of a gridlock. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't matter really. If so, the person who's writing this baby gay, hey, baby gay, you have to know within yourself, which is hard because you're, we know, I'm going to be 40 and I don't even sometimes know what I want, but know what you want in this moment, which is if never getting married legally is okay with me and I can negotiate that within my life for this person, you can move to California, like live your life. If you were like, I would like to get married. It's still something I want to explore. And this person is saying, I never want to get legally married. It's really sad. That's heartbreak, but that's a gridlock. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think it, I don't think that's sacrificing something. And I, I also think you need to be careful too in not moving, telling yourself, I'm going to change my mind maybe, or, t- or telling yourself that like your partner might change their minds. Yeah. Um, you can't, you can't bank on that. I, I'm a, think a lot about communication um i am also for context i am also a baby gay so keep that in mind i have not (laughs) i have not been in a serious relationship with a woman but i've been in a lot of therapy (laughs) (laughs) which you know should count for something i i hope i definitely am i to be fair i also my friend always says she's like my two answers to any relationship question are either communicate or break up with them (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I'm honestly, like, you don't fair. have to be in a bunch of gay relationships like, to know about relationships. Right. Like, All uh, relationships are relationships. I, so. but, uh, right. She she told me this, and I was like, but isn't that always the answer anyway? It's either commu- like communicate or break up with them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think communication or become strangers. Yeah. <laughs> Together, I, it happens. I, Sorry. I think communicate the, here. Like, there definitely needs to be a conversation about what are these things that your partner is wanting to explore mm-hmm. on their own. Because if it's other people and that's a deal breaker for you there you go um but i because you don't want them to you don't want them to feel like they're sacrificing so much that they're developing resentment towards you because if that's not going to be healthy at all i my big thing the one reason i kind of made a like inhale of breath was i don't i don't think it's a good idea to go to go out to California thinking maybe something will change. I think this is a conversation that needs to happen before you make a yes. big move together. If you go to California, yeah. you go to California for you. If you stay in this relationship, you stay for you and your needs, but you don't go for the other person. You shouldn't do anything for anyone else, really, in my opinion, but this is my whole, I'm also recovering codependent, so I have really strong feelings about this. Yeah. But like, if you've always wanted to like get out of Boston or you want to feel like, what's it like to go to California and this is a way to do it and you really love this person and you're willing to explore it, knowing that this might not be your future legal partner, but you're both communicating. So you're not like using each other. You're like, okay, I'm going to go with you to California. We're going to take a year and have some fun in California and figure it out. I think that's great. But if you're going for the other person mm-hmm. because you think the other person is going to change or because you're not sure... I think it can only breed like gray areas, which will only breed resentment, which shouldn't happen. And and the other layer too, which I didn't read the, the whole email, which was longer, but it seems like her girlfriend would be able to keep her job, but she would have to change jobs. Uh, and let me tell you, oh. that's going to make everything a million times worse and more stressful Mm -hmm. on, on you. So as much as I don't like to definitively say, break up with her but I'm no I I mean but like we're saying uh, do some deep assessment yeah do some deep and maybe ask your girlfriend talk to her how do you define marriage yeah maybe that's a question to ask like marriage is this legal thing and a partnership but not everyone defines it the same maybe marriage to this person means something very specific that 
this other person, they might want the same thing. Yeah. You just don't yeah. know until you have to, a talk about to it. To me, the, the marriage, no marriage thing isn't the the biggest issue here. It's this, like, I need to do experience these other things on my own and then you're gonna be the only one making sacrifices i, I don't know it sounds like like this weird deal she's constructing yeah. and that language she, and she's like a power the power thing on that language yes. is really red flagging to me yes. it just screams i have power you don't have power yes. it screams codependent to and, me in my own reflection and yes. if you move out to california <laughs> where they have a job and you're still having to find one for yourself and you don't know anyone that power is still very imbalanced yeah. as well yeah to the baby gay who wrote this, though, like, I i mean, I don't even know how many years makes a baby gay. I don't, I don't, I, I never understand, like, what's a baby gay? What's a teenage gay? What's yeah. an old adult gay? <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that, um, you know, life is long and this relationship could be the best thing ever or it couldn't. But just because you end a relationship or have to reassess, it doesn't mean it's a failure. And yes. it doesn't have anything to yes. do with you being a good gay or a bad gay or your identity um, gay people who identify across a spectrum go through many breakups and many things happen. So just know that it's not about your value or your sense of self or your queer identity. Relationships start and end and they're fluid and they're wonderful. So just really sit with what you want. Try to figure that out first and then try to communicate that directly if you can. Yeah. I, also, I also know it's scary too. Like right now, like if this is like the first serious relationship you've been in, like I am putting myself in that position. I'm sure it's scary when you're first, you know, in that early stages and going, if I, if I lose this person, will I find someone else? Like I've yeah. been there. We've all been there. Yeah. Like, because you look, are worthy of have, so much love. We have so yeah. many people out there will love you. But yes. we, there is this feeling, especially in the early days, like the pool is small. And so there's that, that fear, but I, I have, again, a lot of therapy, a lot of dealing with things, have realized, like, it is better to be single and happy than in a committed relationship that you feel trapped in. So, like, really analyze, like, don't let that be a thing that is that is worrying you about potentially ending the relationship. Like, yeah, don't let th- those fears, even though they f- feel very real, it's it's just, like, not not the case there there are so many people in this world and you need to focus on what's best for you uh thank you for writing in if you're a listener and you want us to really psychoanalyze your (laughs) life and your decisions you'd like us to project yeah (laughs) abundance uh please email us diking out at gmail.com and Cody, thank you so much for being here. Thank you uh, for having tell me. Tell our listeners where they can find out what your latest work is or follow you on social media. Yeah, you can find me uh, on social media at Cody. That's Cody with a K, K-O-D-Y. How my mother named me that and didn't end up, realize I'd end up a lesbian, I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, Cody Keplinger, um, uh, Cody underscore Keplinger on Twitter and then Cody Keplinger on Instagram. And uh, my next book, uh, Lila and Hadley, uh, is a middle grade novel. So mostly for like kids ages like eight to 12, I guess, um, comes out in April. Great. Awesome. And uh, Mindy, remind listeners where they can find you on social media. You can find me on my Wikipedia page. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find me mostly on Instagram. That's where I do most of my things. I didn't make it my name back in the day. And I don't know if someone has my name and I can't get it back. It's a whole story. So my Instagram handle is Mindela with three M's. <laughs> 
M M M I N D E L A. I thought you were building suspense. They do. <laughs> yeah, I meet someone at a bar. Even though I follow you, <laughs> <laughs> I meet someone at a bar. I'm like, you can buy me on Instagram at. And thank you for being co-host on this episode. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can follow me personally at TGI Carolyn and follow the podcast at Diking Out. And if you want extra content, I've been doing uh, recaps of the new L Word Generation Q, his extra content on both Patreon and Himalaya. So check us out at patreon.com slash Diking Out. Or if you just want to, if you don't care about the L Word and just want to support the podcast and, and everything we're trying to do here at Diking Out, uh, head to patreon.com slash diking out or find us on the Himalaya app. Thank you so much for diking out with us this week. And if you do start up Dungeons and Dragons or any tabletop game, let us know how it's going. Share. Woohoo. Yeah. Yeah. Get in. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. 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 Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.